Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Vince Everett Ellison, a conservative commentator, a former congressional candidate and author of many books, including the new Crime, Inc., how Democrats employ mafia and gangster tactics to gain and hold power. And Vince Everett Ellison, welcome back to The Shilling Show Unleashed. Oh, thank you so very much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, you start the book out talking about the focus of evil today, and that would be the Democrat Party. And I want to start there because people need to understand where you're coming from on this. I have to have a statute or have a criminal code for something to be criminal. If you look at the dictionary and say anything that is basically evil, is also criminal. We've had things that uh, right now are not criminal, uh, but they are evil and should be criminal. Like for instance, slavery at one time was, was not criminal, but it was evil. And so we made it a crime. Abortion now, many people would say is criminal, but it's evil, but it's, it's not criminal in a whole lot of states. So we need to make it, you know, a crime. A lot of the things that the Democrat Party does is also very, very evil, but they are not criminal because the Democratic Party controls the law. They are not criminal because they litter or because they run stop signs. They are criminal because they hurt people. They kill people. They destroy souls. They destroy families. They destroy institutions. Machiavelli said the best princes in the world are the ones that uphold religion, uphold institutions, uphold families. The most despicable, the most despisable princes are the ones that destroy institutions and destroy families and destroy, and, and destroy religions. And that's what the Democratic Party is. I show how they came from a foreign influence, like the mafia, like the triads, like MS-13. I show also how they use some of the mafia techniques to, to get power and to um, uh, make money. Like, for instance, the uh, mafia uses hips to make money. You know, Bugsy Siegel and the rest of them, they kill people. Well, the Democrat Party does the same thing with uh, Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood kills babies for money. They then give some money to the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party gives them close to gives them hundreds of millions of dollars a, a year to keep doing it. They use false piety. They'll go into the Catholic Church and, and go into the Christian Church and pretend like they believe in God, and then they'll go and vote to kill babies again. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll go to restrict people from practicing their religion. Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden go to church, pray, and then come out and will restrict the rights of children to go into schools and pray. So then you have them with their trafficking, uh, the cartels and the MS-13, all involved in sex trafficking across the border, bringing drugs across the border. With the Democrat Party, all those cartels have K Street lawyers that give a lot of money to the Democrats up there, and the Democrats will not seal the border. And they're allowing them to bring in hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of um, pounds of fentanyl every year, uh, allowing them to um, sex traffic children, allowing illegals to come into the community. And they're killing 100,000 Americans a year through fentanyl. So the book goes into all of these ways that the Democratic Party 
and organized crime work hand in glove. The humiliation of black people, uh, restricting people's right to practice their religion, grooming children at a young age to participate in their criminal activities by the time they become adults. This is the Democrat Party. They're an evil institution. They're a criminal, they're a criminal organization. And they are no longer this party that was, before 1960, a rabble of Ku Klux Klan members and racist and ignorant, stupid Southern whites. They're not that anymore. They were taken over in 1972, and the Civil Rights Movement was a springboard for them. The, the hippies and the Marxists and the communists and the dopeheads in, in the Civil Rights community jumped and took over the Democratic Party in 1972 and turned them into this sophisticated criminal organization that is doing nothing but choking the life out of America, and we got to run them out in 2024. You know, Vince, I've heard this said before by a lot of people on the political left, that that uh, switch that you talk about, that all of those white Southern racists all became Republicans and the parties essentially switched. And I'd love for you to address that. White people that left the Democratic Party in the 1970s did not leave because they were racist. They left because the Democratic Party had turned insane. The Democratic Party were atheists. They started bringing LGBTQ into the party. In 1972, they introduced gay rights. They introduced, they introduced abortion for the first time. They introduced a, a t- type of central government control that uh, most uh, conservative whites just abhorred. They introduced atheism and taking God out of the public schools. They introduced co- crime, uh, uh, gun control. The smartest thing that white conservatives ever did was leave the Democrat Party because look at what it has done to the black community. A community that was basically self-contained. We have struck our poverty rate from 1940 to 1960 without the Civil Rights Movement from 80 to 30 percent. The greatest reduction in poverty in the history of the world. In the history of the world. We had 80% of our children being born in two families then. Our schools were some of the best in the world, according to James Meredith. You hardly met a black man that had, had gone to jail. Now you hardly meet a young black man that hadn't gone to jail. So after the civil rights movement, the black community went into a free fall. And we've gotten worse. Matter of fact, we made more progress the 100 years after the Civil War than we made in the past 50 years, five times more men in prison, drugs, dope, violence, family breakdown, crime, schools are the worst in the industrialized world. You name it under the Democrat Party. If conservative whites had stayed in the Democrat Party, they'd be exactly where black people are right now, at the bottom of every socioeconomic statistic in the United States of America. The smartest thing they ever did was leave that demented, immoral, psychotic party. I want to go to uh, LBJ and the Great Society because that was a huge part of this uh, modern-day enslavement. What was the promise and what was the truth about the Great Society? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, mis- there's a misnomer about the Great Society, a lot of bad information. People want to put it on LBJ, but it was really Martin Luther King. Let me explain. In 1965, and I have this in the book, in the first chapter, I talk about this and talk about how the Civil Rights Movement the springboard that the Marxists and the communists used to take over the uh, Democrat Party. In 1965, Patrick Moynihan did did the Moynihan Report, the famous Moynihan Report. In the report, Moynihan said that we have to use all of the power of the federal government to put the black man back in charge of his family because welfare was destroying it. He saw that black men were working. The family was being destroyed because more black women were getting on welfare and not getting married. LBJ said, that's a good idea, but you got to take this to the civil rights community. Go to them, get them to sign off on it, and we'll do it. That's what LBJ told him. Now, David Garrow writes about this in his book, Bearing the Cross. Also, Taylor Branch writes about it in his book, American and King Year. These are two liberals, all right, two Democrats, 
got Pulitzer Prizes for their scholarship. Okay. Moynihan goes with McGeorge Bundy, who was on the Ford Foundation at this time. The Ford Foundation was paying for a retreat that Martin Luther King was having with black preachers in the civil rights community. They went there to present their findings and tell them what LBJ wanted. McGeorge Bundy said, it is a wonder that Moynihan got out of that room alive. The civil rights community went, went crazy on him and told him that marriage was like slavery and that they didn't want to use federal money to put the black man back in charge of the family, but to set the woman free. So instead, they went to LBJ and said, we want the man in house clause put in welfare. And the man in house clause said that the woman could only get federal funding if the man was out of the house. LBJ relinquished, and that's how the Great Society destroyed the black family. It wasn't LBJ. It was MLK. And if you look at your history, you'll find that even after LBJ started the Great Society, Martin Luther King Jr. was mad because it wasn't enough, and he was going to do the Poor People's March. Remember? He wanted $300 billion more dollars from the federal government. He was mad at LBJ because he was sending money to Vietnam. He said, no, I want more money. And he said, I'm going to shut Washington, D.C. down until I get it with the Poor People's March. So he had planned to bring a million poor people to D.C., have them lay on the railroad tracks, lay on the street, until D.C. gave them $300 billion, which was equivalent to $2 trillion today. And he wanted it for free housing, free medical care, free food. Just free stuff all around. And he was going to shut down the government because the great society was not enough. This is why crime is so important. It explains to people, and it takes these myths and throws them out of the, out of the uh, window because every, nobody wants to touch Martin Luther King Jr. To, to the federal government and to white America, they said, no, can't touch him. Can you tell the truth about it? Martin Luther King Jr. was the first recipient of the Marcus Sanger Award. Who was Marcus Sanger? The one that started Planned Parenthood and the Negro Project designed to destroy black people. Yeah, 1966, Martin Luther King Jr. was the first recipient of the Margaret Sanger Award. And he took it proudly, and his family still displays it. They didn't give it back. Uh, in 1961, he was excommunicated from the black church because he tried to take over the National Baptist Convention, a convention of close to 10 million black people at the Baptist church for the communists and the civil rights movement. He was recruited by Stanley Levinson and Bayard Rustin. And they bankrolled the whole civil rights movement. Matter of fact, those three communists, Stanley Levinson, Bayard Rustin, Jack O'Dell, ran the SELC, funded it from Moscow. My book puts all of this in perspective, and it gives absolute evidence of it in the first chapter. Because this chapter explains how the civil rights movement took over the Democrat Party and made it a Marxist organization. It wasn't done by happenstance. It was an absolute diabolical plan. And when they took it over, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Jim Clyburn, all these old stalwarts today that won't give up power, Diane Feinstein helped take it over in 1972. If you read Crime Inc., get out your phone, check every fact that is absolutely true. It will blow your mind. Vince, I'd like to talk more about the control of the black church and particularly buying off preachers. I have seen the actual evidence of that here in Charlottesville after doing some historical research, and the Democrats did buy off a number of black preachers. This influence goes far beyond Charlottesville. Tell us how it happened. Well, the, the black preacher uh, started on the plantation. They, they saw that they could use him as, as a mechanism of control for the slave. In this great movie about Nat Turner, The, the Birth of a Nation, it shows that the white slave master was using Nat Turner, who was a preacher, to take him around to plantations telling black, pre- black slaves that God wanted them to submit to their masters and do what their masters said. And it was messing with Nat Turner to a point where Nat turned and, of course, laid the, uh, uh, did the Great Slave Rebellion. But the black preacher was, uh, and the descendants of these black preachers live today, 
they were part of the apostate Christianity that was being preached down south. Well, even still now, but they, they, they were part of this apostate Christianity that before uh, taught that black people were the descendants of Ham and that they were cursed and their skin was dark because God had cursed Ham and also cursed them and they were supposed to be slaves. They preached that from the pulpit. I heard it growing up as a child in the South. Matter of fact, in my last book, 25 Lies, the final chapter, I talked about how the black preachers took this propaganda around the South line to black people. Well, after the Civil Rights Movement, they kind of turned and they started preaching a Marxist communist construct called Black Liberation Theology. It was um, Marxism and communism delivered through the church. And basically it said, it got the church involved in social justice, told black people that Jesus Christ would have identified with black people and hated white people because Jesus was oppressed and we were oppressed and white people were the oppressor. And about 87% of black people, black churches in America now teaches this heresy called black, black liberation theology. And this is why you see the black preachers out there leading these marches, no justice, no peace. We want our reparations. Uh, we want free health care, free this, free that, free that, free that. The Democratic Party has always had these people un- under their control, and they pay them for it. Uh, in my first book, The Iron Triangle, I talk about it in depth. I talk about how when I worked in a prison in South Carolina in the 90s, and I saw these young black men being locked up, and I asked the black intelligentsia what was going on, and the old refrain was, these evil rich white Republicans hate black people. So me being, that, being naive, I went down there, started a nonprofit to help these black men stay out of prison, and I saw something very interesting. I saw no evil rich white Republicans anywhere around. You see a leprechaun before you saw one. But I did see a bunch of black Democrats making money off of the chaos. And mostly they were most black preachers, most black politicians, and most black civil rights organizations. And I called them the Iron Triangle. Matter of fact, Book Authority gave that book the 26th most important political book ever written in history because it exposed, it exposed this diabolical plan. It showed that these three entities were just conduits rich white Democrats, liberals, and the black community. When you look at uh, Mark, Mark Warner and Tim Kaine yeah. here in South Carolina, you never see them going into the ghettos talking to black people. How do they get a 90% of the black vote? They're conduits to do it for them. The black preacher, the black politician, most in, in, in these black civil rights organizations, SELC, NAACP, BLM, they are their, they're their Hamas. They are their suicide bombers. They're their pawns to go out there and, and their shock troops and their brown shirts to do the dirty work for them. And I've exposed it. And thank you for letting me come on your show tonight and expose it some more. And the people in Charlottesville and all around the country need to understand the Democratic Party is an evil institution. They're a criminal organization. And wherever they rule, all you see is death and mayhem. And they think it's a Shangri-La. They think it's utopia. They never try to change it. Matter of fact, they asked to run for re-election. And they use what they've done as evidence. Isn't this beautiful? Look at Baltimore. Look at Chicago. Look at Detroit. Look at Atlanta. Yeah, anywhere where they rule. It's nothing but a death machine. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast continues in a moment with Vince Everett Ellison. Shilling Show Unleashed. Shillingshowmedia.com is your one-stop shop for websites, audio and video production, and photography. Shillingshowmedia.com will take your project from conception to completion. Shillingshowmedia.com is reasonably priced and highly professional. Need a website for your business? Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. Need a video created or edited? Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. 
have a photography or graphic design project, visit shillingshowmedia.com. Shillingshowmedia.com is your one-stop shop for websites, audio and video production, and photography. Visit shillingshowmedia.com. That's shillingshowmedia.com. The book is Crime, Inc., How Democrats Employ Mafia and Gangster Tactics to Gain and Hold Power. The author is Vince Everett Ellison. Vince, you talk about a lot of things that no one else dares to discuss, and this one I've never heard outside of reading your book, Crime, Inc., the humiliation of black people from things like Roots in the Color Purple to other uh, manifestations of indignity and humiliation. Would you tell us about this phenomenon? Yeah, one of the uh, tactics that the Democrat Party uses comes from the old Soviet a Marxist ideology that you have to keep the people humiliated. You have to keep them completely demoralized and under control. One of the beautiful aspects about our American culture is our Declaration of Independence. It tells us that our rights do not come from man or doesn't come from government, that our rights come from God. Now, that is interesting because when you say that, and that tells the American he's special. It tells him that God has made you in his image and that your rights come from him and that is a higher law than the Constitution, there's a higher law than government, and that these are laws that we are not even supposed to take, touch. We can't touch these rights. These are yours. Well, John Locke said, John Locke said they're irrevocable, non-transferable, and unsellable. Well, Martin Luther King Jr. then told us in his I Have a Dream speech, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, that Negro is still not free. He told us we weren't free, and that we had to come to government for our freedom. He said that we come to government to cash a check, to get something that the government, our freedom from the government. He said five times in that speech we were not free, and at the end of the speech he even said, on some certain day we'll be free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty we're free at last. And we, as if to say that we were not free, and that's a lie. And we make our children tell this speech, say this speech, every year in school they recite it. They say it's the greatest speech in American history, and this speech basically retracts the whole Declaration of Independence. Yeah, they don't make our children talk about the Declaration of Independence. As a matter of fact, they took God out of schools. So how can our children know that our rights came from God if, he's not, if they're not allowed to talk about God in schools? What do they do? They tell us our rights come from government, which means that we're under the foot and the heel of government and the control of it. And they've used that line to humiliate the black community. So I've gone into the black community. I told them this, and a guy 50 years old come to me and said, Vince, everything you said is right, but I got to keep voting Democrat. Why, man? Because I can't read. They sent me to school 12 years. I came out and I couldn't read. I have no job skills. I have no prospects. They feed me. They clothe me. They give me my medical care. I got a bus pass. They give me my ride around. If I don't vote for them, I'll die in the street. That's complete humiliation. Complete slavery. They fix it where you can't pray in schools, where you have to send your child to a school that will not teach them to read, write. There's not one school in Baltimore, $21,000 a year. They make them walk around in the street begging for reparations. No, they'll never give it to them. Barack Obama was president with a filibuster-proof majority in the House and the Senate, and they never voted on it. But every year they're bringing up, humiliating them, have a march and crying, begging, stalking white America. Martin Luther King Jr. had black people stalking white America using extortion, saying that if you don't give me what I, what, what I want, I'm going to aggravate you with sit-ins. I'm going to boycott you. And at the very least, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C., and have a law passed and put a gun in your head and make you accept me 
Stalking is humiliating. I don't care how pretty a woman is. I don't care how pretty she is. If she's a stalker, she's ugly. It was Martin Luther King Jr. that said, they always telling black people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Well, how can you pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you're bootless? Yeah. You hear your leaders telling you that you're bootless, that you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't do it. This is humiliation. This is the mob. You owe them money. If you don't pay them, they beat you down. If you get addicted to crack, you can't pay them, they'll, they'll humiliate you. They'll beat you down, make you crawl on your knees. This is how they keep you under control. This is how the, this is how the Marxists do it. They'll come in with their guns. They, they disarm people in war zones. They, they'll grab you and lock you up for no reason, take you from your children. This is the Democrat Party. They humiliate black people, and they do it every day, and they're good at it, and they're proud of it. Vince, it reminds me of uh, what I would call a defining moment in American history, and I'm sure you remember this. It was during the Obama years at a Democrat convention where the speaker got up and proposed that God be kicked out of the platform, and he was met with a round of cheers. That was a defining moment, and that really was telling the truth about the Democrat Party. Oh, yes, no no doubt. They're an atheist organization. If you go to a football game and you kneel, a Democrat will ask you, why are you kneeling? If you are kneeling to protest your country, they'll applaud you and pat you on your back. If you are kneeling to pray to Jesus Christ, they say, take him and lock him up. That's them. They are the ones. I talked to this lady that owns a lot of daycares here. And I asked her, I said, how many of your children get aid from the government? She says about maybe 40%. I said, how do they feel about you teaching religion in those schools? They said, I can't talk to Jesus, but I teach it anyway. Mm. He said, but they told me that I couldn't do it. And I told them, well, you need to stay out of my daycare then because I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And so up here, they just strategically stay out of her daycare. But based upon the law, she's not supposed to talk about Jesus if she's getting federal money. And that's the problem with universal pre-K. People say, I want it, but I can't accept it if I can't talk about Jesus. So a lot of churches that have have universal pre-K can't get it. Why? Because it's the Democrat Party. It's always them. It's always them. They want to take God out of everything because you know why? They don't want to compete for power. This is why the communists made atheism part of the ideology. They say that if these people know that, they, that their rights come from God and that we can't touch these rights, they're going to be like the colonists, the colonists during the American Revolution. When we tell them to do something they think is wrong, they're going to say, no, nope, can't do it, and don't try to touch us because we'll blow your brains out. And they can't have that. They got to have you submit to the power. And this is why our Bible tells us, can a man have two masters? He cannot. He'll hate one and love the other. And this is why the the black community is at the bottom of every socioeconomic statistic in America. This is why in San Francisco, you got people, feces on the street, drugs on the street, needles on the street. The uh, Tenderloin area is terrible. People sleep on the streets of New York, Chicago, snatching grabs, all of that because they're a generation that's lost God. And until they find him and bring him back, they'll remain that way. It's Machiavelli who said again that any great prince should understand that he should let their people keep their religion because a religious people is a self-governing people. And if you take away their religion, you will not have enough bayonets to keep the people in line. Look at any inner city right now and you'll see that it's absolutely positively true. Vince, you end the book on a high note, and I think the uh, example of your father's courage to embrace freedom is a story we need to tell. So tell us about your dad, an exceptional man. Oh, thank you for giving me an opportunity to tell that story. My, my our father was a sharecropper. 
he grew up uh, sharecropping with his with his grandparents. And he, when when he uh, but he, he aspired. I was born on a cotton plantation. My father's very young. He's a young father, but he aspired, and it was selling up time. And the plantation owner was trying to cheat him. But my dad could had got a, had learned to read and write in, a, in in the back of old church school, and he knew that the man was cheating him. So my dad paid him off, and decided he was not going to ever work work in the plantation again. But dad always aspired. And we lived in one of those those shanty houses uh, in the middle of a field with no, with no running water. I think we I think we had electricity. But my dad thought he got a job at a lumber mill, and he was taking lumber and stuff to these houses being built in Jackson, Tennessee. These beautiful brick houses that rich white people were, were you know, were living in. That black people were supposed to go school to the back door. He was delivering these um, these sliding glass doors to one of these houses, and they had too many. And the guy, I told my dad if he wanted one of them, you know, he could buy one off of him. My dad bought one. I don't know how much it cost him, but he bought it and bought it home. And he had me and my brothers get this glass door out of the trunk. I mean, it was in this box. And he said, y'all help me take this one on the back truck, the back porch. And I said, what is this, Dad? He says, a sliding glass door. And we had never seen or heard of such, right? <laughs> he, and I said, why you got it? He said, well, I'm going to put it in my new house. I said, what new house? You're living in a shack. He said, shut up, boy. We put it in the back. I was about four years old. He told us not to touch it, not to throw rocks near it, nothing. So you know, and black men always talk about what they were going to do, but none, none of them ever did anything. Well, anyway, years passed. About five years passed. The glass door stayed back there, and we still living in this raggedy house. And one is finally, I was about nine years old. Dad said, Vince, help me, put the, help me get this door and put it in the back of my truck. I got to take it somewhere. Me and my brothers helped him take it, and, it was, and, and the packaging had fallen off. We finally saw it, and there was a glass door. We said, oh, my God. So Dad drove, up, drove off in, in his truck. Well, Dad had signed a contract to get a new house built, and he wanted to bring the glass door to the contract so he can measure it. And back then, you know, men didn't tell the children what they was doing too much. One day, while the house was getting built, Daddy brought me up to it. I said, he said, I want to show you something. And I walked in, and they had put that sliding glass door in my father's home, and he slid it back and forth for me. I looked at it, and I said, he looked at me with this pride. He said, I told you I was going to put it around my new house in there. I said, yes, you did, Pop. That's a true story. We have to believe. We have to understand that we plan. We have to believe in God, and we have to go forward. We can't let these people tell us who we are. We can't let them tell us to settle. We can't let them tell us what we can't do. I went to see my father this past September, uh, the, the Sunday before Labor Day, he called me. He's 81 years old now. He said, hey, Vince, your brothers are coming down. I want to have a jam session with you. You know, we had a, we had a gospel singing group. That's okay, Dad. I, I went all the way to Brownsville, Tennessee, about 700 miles to sit down with my dad and my brother, and we just played and we just played gospel music that day. That glass door is still there in the same house. And my dad's a miracle. America's a miracle. We're miracles. We praise God. We go forward. We love one another. We forgive one another. We show up. We show forbearance to one another. That's how we survive. We cannot survive without love and forbearance, forgiveness. Forget the retaliation. Forget the I want my reparations. Forget the uh, America has to pay. I want my check. Forget all of that. We have to love one another. Forgive one another. That's how we survive. Vince, it's a remarkable and uplifting story, and I'm so glad that you shared it in the book. If people want to get a copy of Crime, Inc., or if they want to follow your efforts online, I know you've got a lot of things going on. How can we find you, and how can we buy your book? 
you can go to VinceEllison.com. That's VinceEllison.com. There you can see my documentary uh, trailer. You can buy all my books. I have uh, three books, two of them bestsellers. This one just came out. You can get Iron Triangle. You get 25 Lies. And now you get Crime Inc. It just came out October the 3rd. You can go to Amazon.com and you can find Crime You can find all three of my books there also, including Crime Inc. Crime Inc. will open your eyes to the dangers of this party to why we have war in Afghanistan now, why we pulled out as cowards in Afghanistan, and how they precipitated war in Ukraine and Russia, and what's going on in Israel. This is not a mistake. The Democrats are complicit. They're complicit in this. They gave Iran $6 billion, which went straight to Hamas in fueling this war against Israel right now. They are an evil, criminal organization. They have members in their party that support Hezbollah, support Hamas, support terrorists. Yeah, they do. This is who they are. And if you support this terrible party that castrates children, that murders children, that tries to keep God out of the public square, you are putting your soul in jeopardy. Vince, thank you for writing this book, for telling the truth and being brave enough to share it. I really appreciate you joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. It is my pleasure, and thank you for having me, and thank all of your wonderful listeners. I love, love talking to my friends who talk me with them. And because of y'all, we're going to change the world. Thank you. That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.